Well, friends, would you uh, turn with me, please, to the words that we read in uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, we read, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It's uh, always difficult deciding what to preach on at uh, the end of the year, especially after such an unsettling year as 2021 was, and because of how uncertain 2022 looks to be. However, I want to focus on these uh, words that we find here in Romans 8 and what they have to teach us as we prepare to leave one year and then enter another. I'm going to look at these three verses under two headings, the providence of God and then the purpose of God. The providence of God and the purpose of God. First, the providence of God. Look at verse 28. Here Paul focuses on the work of God in his people's lives. The work of God in his people's lives. Now, as we study these very well-known and very well-loved words, it's important to note their context. Paul is writing to Christians who are living in Rome somewhere between 55 and 58 AD, so about 20 years after the death of Christ. And in many ways, this letter is Paul's magnum opus. We find him delivering a devastating critique about the sin that is infecting and afflicting the entire human race. We find him expounding and explaining the gospel, the good news of God's free salvation, undeserved salvation. We find him passionately and winsomely speaking about the sovereignty of God in choosing those whom he will save. And we find him giving an extensive treatment about how those whom God has saved should now live out their lives. And Romans 8 is very much the jewel in the crown of this magnificent letter. It's a chapter that gives a picture of the completeness and the comprehensiveness of God's salvation. It begins by stating that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it closes by stating that there is no separation from the love of God for those in Christ. That is Romans 8. No condemnation and no separation. It's a chapter that's designed to bring comfort and confidence in the lives of God's people, whatever battles, whatever pressures, whatever challenges they might be facing. And in verse 28, Paul speaks about God working all things together for good. Paul begins by speaking about something that we know. Verse 26, Paul said that there are things that we don't know. He says we don't know what to pray. Isn't that amazing? Some of you men don't want to pray at the prayer meeting because you say, I don't know what to pray. There's the Apostle Paul and he says, there are times I don't know what to pray. Maybe some of you men need to pray in this coming year for the very first time at the prayer meeting. Those of you who are here, those of you who are online. Paul knew what it was not to know what to pray for. But in verse 28, he speaks about the things that we do know. And he says that we know that God is working all things together. Paul speaks here about all things, not just some things, not just most things, all things. Not just the 
pleasant things, not just the painful things, all things. And he speaks about God working all things together. You've probably all seen those men at work signs over the years. I I don't know if that's even politically correct to say it anymore. But you know what I mean. Those red triangles. And you've got the the man with the shovel or spade. and, and, And you're not meant to go there because there are men at work. Or it might be that red, that yellow sign. And and it's got the bold exclamation mark and it's saying, caution, men at work. And Paul is saying here that at every moment and in every event, there is a big, bold sign saying, God at work. According to Paul, there is no such thing as chaos, only coherence. God is working all things together. And Paul says that we can know that God is working all things together for good. Please note, Paul isn't saying that all things are good. Cancer isn't good. COVID isn't good. Loss of an income isn't good. Loss of a job isn't good. The breakdown of a relationship, the ending of a friendship, those things aren't good. But Paul is saying here that all things, even the most painful and perplexing things, all things are being worked together by God for good. And we'll focus on what that good is in verses 29 and 30. And it's at that point that the question emerges, who does God work all things together for good for? You see, Paul is very guarded in what he doesn't say. Paul has a very high view of the sovereignty of God. God is working in all things. But he's not working all things together for good for everyone. Paul gives two very important caveats. Verse 28, he claims that God works all things together for good for those who love him. Paul has already spoken about the Roman Christians being loved by God, Romans 1 verse 7, and now he speaks about their love for God. They don't just believe the Bible is important. They don't just show up at church on a Sunday. They love God. That is what defines them. That is what marks them out. They love God. And Paul says that God is working all things together for good for those who love him. Second, he claims that God works all things together for good for those who have been called according to his purpose. Here's the reason why these Roman Christians love God. It's because God first loved them and he called them. Tom Schreiner writes, the roots of their love for God are not found in the call of God. And Paul says here that God is working all things together for good for those who who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That is who God is working all things together for good for. Now, friends, as we consider this verse, we can really hear Paul, can't we, encouraging his readers with the truth of God's providence. This morning, it's important that we give thought to how some people view life. There are those who believe that life is just a matter of chance, A matter of luck. And you know how much I hate it when I hear Christians saying, I'm lucky. We are are not lucky. There is no such thing as luck. It's not about being in the right place at the right time. But there are some people who view that life that way. There are others who believe that their lives are under the control of some cosmic force, some cosmic fate. They believe that the planets are governing their fortunes and their futures and they're obsessed with horoscopes to lead them and guide them and direct them as they live life. And and you feel like tearing out those horoscopes from, from the paper and you feel like saying, what absolute nonsense. 
Paul takes such a radically different view of life. He sees the hand of God, the work of God, the providence of God in every season and every situation. The Shorter Catechism describes God's providence as his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. In the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon wrote, I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. That every particle of spray that dashes against the steamboat has its orbit as well as the sun in the heavens. That the chaff from the hand of the winnower is steered as the stars in their courses. The creeping of an aphid over the rosebud is as much fixed as the march of the devastating pestilence. The fall of leaves from a poplar is as fully ordained as the tumbling of an avalanche. More recently, John Piper, my hero, has written, Every tiny popping bubble in the foam at the top of a newly poured can of coke. Every floating dust mote that you can see in the early morning bedroom beam of light. Every tip of every stalk of grain stretching across the endless Nebraska plains. All of them, with all their slightest movements, specifically governed by God. Think of that. When you're having your Sunday lunch today and you're pouring... Karen might disagree with me for this, but when you're pouring your Coke into the glass and you're seeing all these little bubbles, bubbles foaming and frothing, every one of them governed by the providence of God. And Paul is saying to the Christians of his day and to the Christians of our day that God is working in every event in their lives for good. Everything that you and I went through last year was for our good. And everything that we will go through in the coming year will be for our good. Now, right now, we might not see it. Right now, we might not feel it. Right now, we might not understand it. Right now, we might not like it. But one day, we will look back and we will be able to say, it was indeed for good. He has done all things well. But there is more because Paul wants the Christians of his day and the Christians of our day to be confident that God is working all things together for good. There are many things that we don't know. There are many things that we will not understand in this life. But Paul wants us to know that God is working all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Paul's saying here, I don't mind, gentlemen, if you don't know how to pray. But what I do want you to know, gentlemen and women as well, is that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And he wants us to know this and to be assured of this because it makes a difference. It changes, it transforms, it revolutionizes how we view our lives, how we live our lives. Again, listen to these words from John Piper. If you live inside this massive promise, your life is more solid and stable than Mount Everest. Outside Romans 8.28, all is confusion and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. But once you walk through the door of love into the massive, unshakable structure of Romans 8.28, everything changes. 
There come into your life stability and depth and freedom. You simply can't be blown over anymore. The confidence that a sovereign God governs for your good all the pain and all the pleasure that you will ever experience is an incompatible refuge and security and hope and power in your life. It makes a difference. Right now people are falling apart because of COVID. Not because they've got COVID, but because they're fearful about COVID. And they're fearful about what is going on with COVID. But the Christian can live inside Romans 8, 28. God is working. God is working together all things for their good. That is a strong promise. That is a stabilizing promise. So on this last Sunday of 2021, I want to ask, are you living inside Romans 8, 28? Do you believe in the God of providence? Do you believe that he is working all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose? Do you, do you believe that? So that no matter what you hear in the coming days, you're not going to fall apart at the seams. The providence of God But we move from the providence of God to the purpose of God. Look at verses 29 and 30. And here Paul focuses on the goal which God works towards in his people's lives. The goal that God is working toward in his people's lives. We now hear Paul speaking about God's great purpose. So far he's spoken about God working all things together for good. And we've already said that Paul isn't saying that all things are good. But we also need to be clear in noting that Paul isn't saying that God will eventually make a person healthy and wealthy and prosperous. That's not what Paul is saying. Neither is Paul saying that all things will eventually work out right, at least not in this life. So what does Paul mean when he says that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Well, Paul shows us in the very next verse, verse 29, that God's great purpose for his people is to conform them to the image of his Son. That is the great destiny of every believer, every Christian, every person who loves God and has been called according to his purpose. That is the central goal that God has for every believer, every Christian, every person who loves him and has been called according to his purpose. That is the ultimate good that God has for every believer, every Christian, every person who loves him and has been called according to his purpose. He wants to make them more like Jesus. It's a work that will be brought to full completion on that last day when he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. But even now, even now God is working and conforming them to the image of his son. And all the things that have happened to them, and all the things that are happening to them, and all the things that will happen to them, are being worked by God to make them more like Jesus. And look at what Paul says about Jesus. He is the firstborn among many brothers. That describes his preeminence over humanity. He is the firstborn, but it also emphasizes his solidarity with humanity. They are his brothers. He is above them, but he is also alongside them. 
And Paul goes on to outline the steps that God takes to conform his people to the image of his son. And this is where some of you might think, oh no, oh no, 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 no. We, we don't want to go down these steps, but we're going to go down these steps, friends. I know, I know it's Boxing Day, and I know that you've got Christmas turkeys in your stomachs, and you're feeling quite sleepy, and you're thinking, oh dear, why on earth are we going down the steps of Romans 8, 29 and 30, but we are going down those steps. Paul begins by saying that God foreknew them. That word for no means to know beforehand. But it doesn't mean that God knew that, that, that they would come to faith at some point. It doesn't mean that God looked into some kind of magical globe and said, Oh, I can see that David Lee will come to faith in years to come. No, that word no refers to God's covenant love. It means to know someone intimately, to set your affection on someone. And here Paul is saying that God set his covenant love, he set his holy affection on his people before they were born. Before the world existed, he set his love on them. And Paul continues and he says, and God predestined them. There's that word that we love so much, predestination. And Paul is saying here that having set his love on his people, God then mapped out their destinations. He set out a plan for them in advance. And that plan was to conform them to the image of his son, to make them like Jesus. And having predestined them, Paul says God called them. They were apart from him. They were apart from Christ. And God called them, summoned them, sovereignly drew them to himself. Some were called through the words of a sermon. Some were called through the words of a conversation. Some were called through the words of a song. Some were called through the words of a book. But all were called by God. It was a sovereign call. It was a powerful call. It was an effective call. God called those whom he had predestined. And having called them, God justified them. That word justification is a legal term. It describes God declaring from his judgment seat that a person is right, a person is just, a person is in a, is in a right standing with him. And the reason they have this status is because Jesus died the death they should have died. The reason they have this status is Jesus received the condemnation that should have been their condemnation and now there is no condemnation for them. And having justified them, Paul says God will glorify them. That refers to their full and final confirmation to the image of the Son. This is what awaits all those who have been foreknown and predestined and called and justified God will glorify them. He will see to it that they are completely conformed to the image of Jesus. And did you notice how Paul speaks about this? He doesn't write, God will also glorify. If you have a Bible that makes that out to be the case, maybe you should tear it out and get a, an ESV. That's a, that's a joke. Don't, don't say I'm, I'm saying tear up your Bibles. But Paul doesn't say God will also glorify. He says God also glorified. Past tense. 
the glorification of the believer, the glorification of the Christian, the glorification of the person who loves God and has been called according to his purpose is so sure, it is so certain that Paul can speak about it in the past tense as though it had already happened. He says here, God glorified them. He's saying God is going to glorify you, but it is so sure, it is so certain that I can say God has glorified you. So those five steps, I hope you didn't find them too painful, but those are the steps that Paul takes as he speaks about God working out his purpose in his people's lives. Now friends, as we hear Paul in these verses, we can hear him encouraging his readers to focus on God's great plan, God's good purpose for them. Paul makes it clear that God's great plan for his people, every Christian, is to conform them to the image of Jesus, to make them more like Jesus. I hope, friends, this shows you the magnificence, the wonder, the glory of salvation. You know, it can be all too easy for us to speak about salvation as if it's just a matter of escaping hell and being welcomed into heaven, and that's it. Salvation involves that, but it's so much more. Here's Paul, and he's saying, God has an eternal plan an eternal purpose for your life. And that eternal plan, that eternal purpose, is that you would look more and more like Jesus. And that begins right here, right now. If you're a Christian today, friends, these verses are reminding you that you are the personal project of God. And he's going to do everything necessary to conform you to the image of his Son, He is going to mold you, he is going to sculpt you, he is going to shape you, he is going to polish you through all the experiences of life so that you would look more like Jesus. He is going to work all things together for good to accomplish that goal in your life. Perhaps some of you sitting here today can look back at the things that have happened to you. You can look at them and you can think how painful they were. You would never have chosen them. You would never have asked for them. You would never have wanted them for yourself. But you can look back and you can say, yes, that did make me look more like Jesus. That did conform me more to the image of the Son. Or perhaps you will never see it in this life, but a day will come when you will finally see Jesus and you will not simply see him, you will be like him. And on that day you will see all the things that God worked together in your life. The painful experiences, the pleasurable experiences, all the experiences. And you will say, yes, it was all good. He has indeed done all things well. He used it all to conform me to the image of his son. So friends, as we prepare to enter 2022, I want to remind every Christian who's here today and every Christian who is listening online, that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And that plan, that purpose is to make you more like Jesus. And he's going to use everything in your life to get you to that point. Nothing will be wasted. Isn't that amazing? Nothing will be wasted. Can I just say to you elders and deacons, Sinclair Ferguson has said that church committees and courts are part of God's work of sanctification in his people's lives. 
you might hate Kirk Session and Deacon's Court meetings, but they will not be wasted in God's plan to make you more like Jesus. And all the other painful things that some of you may go through in the coming days, it will not be wasted in his plan to make you more like Jesus. And that plan, that purpose, cannot be hindered. It cannot be halted. It's unstoppable. God knew you. He set his love on you before the ages began, before you were ever born. And having set his love on you, he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his Son. And having predestined you, he called you to himself. Maybe it was through the words of Willie Black or the words of Roddy Morrison or a friend sitting in this building or a loved one who spoke with you or a book that you read or a song that someone had encouraged you to sing. But he called you to himself. And having called you to himself, he justified you. He declared you as being just, righteous, and a right standing with him on the basis of what Jesus had done so that even today, friend, you no longer stand in a state of condemnation but you stand free from condemnation and because he called you because he justified you because he foreknew you because he predestined you he will certainly glorify you he will ensure that you are conformed to the image of Jesus in his commentary on Romans 8 Ray Ortland writes Years ago, when we lived in Scotland, I travelled with a friend from our village near Aberdeen to the town of Oban on the west coast. And as we drove around town, my friend pointed out a circular stone building, sort of like a small Roman Colosseum on a hill overlooking Oban. He explained to me that this building is called McCaig's Folly. Mr. McCaig was a banker in town who built this structure in the late 19th century, but it's called McCaig's Folly because it was never completed. To this day, that unfinished building stands as an embarrassing reminder of one man's lack of foresight and resources. But God builds no follies. The work God begins in us, he completes. Brothers and sisters, isn't it wonderful to be reminded on the eve of a new year that God's glorious plan, his good purpose for each one of his people, that plan, that purpose to make us more and more like Jesus, it's unstoppable. It cannot be stopped. And not even COVID will stop it. Yes, there might be COVID. And yes, there might be things coming from COVID that we hate, that we despise, that we think, I can't take any more of this. But it can't stop God's good purpose in making you more and more like Jesus. What a thought. Nothing was wasted in 2021. Nothing will be wasted in 2022, God's plan, God's purpose to make us more like Jesus is unstoppable. And may he bless these thoughts to us.